All right, tonight I want to talk to you about something that um, it doesn't get much discussion. And I think part of the reason is, is people might be afraid that they're going to open up a can of worms when they talk about this topic because it's a really uh, touchy situation, especially when you're dealing with women. And, um, and or it might just be something that they don't think needs attention. And, and so, you know, the topic seems to be avoided a lot. Tonight, I want to talk to you about emotions. Emotions, okay? Now, personally, I think emotions have gotten a bad rap over the years. You know, emotions like happiness and joy and peace, those are okay to have, right? Because they make you feel good. They make everybody else around you feel good, right? Those are okay. But, you know, you know they bring smiles. They bring laughter. They bring pleasant feelings, Right? It's nice to be around pleasant people, right? But, um, but when we experience emotions like anger or sadness or irritation, or if you're just peeved about something, you know what I'm talking about? You're just peeved about something. These emotions we don't like because they don't make us feel good, right? And when someone else is having them, they don't make us feel good, right? And so we like to label those. We'll label those as, those are bad emotions. Those are sinful emotions. You know, the Bible says to think on what's lovely and good and, you know, and pure, not on, you know, what things that you don't like, right? So, so a lot of times we've been taught as Christians that those are sinful. Um, sometimes we label them PMS. Sometimes we label them, um, what is her problem kind of emotions, right? We don't like those. But I want to give you some truths about emotions tonight, okay? I want to give you some truths about emotions. Number one, emotions were created by God. Emotions were created by God. When God created us, he created us spirit, soul, and body. Now, your soul is comprised of three things, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Emotions is part of your soul. If you deny your emotions, you're denying part of your soul of some great benefits in your life. And we're going to talk about that. It's part of your makeup. It's part of your design. That's how God made us. He, When he created our soul, he made a third of that emotions. He put emotions in there. And so because it was created by God, it's one of the means by which we actually experience and connect with God. So you know what? When you deny your emotions you're denying an opportunity to actually connect with God, to actually experience God, okay? Now, if all throughout the Psalms, uh, you will see how the psalmist connects with God through his emotions, through his negative and his positive emotions. The psalmist will always connect with God, okay? And just these are some examples that I pulled out of the Psalms. My soul rejoices, and whenever I talk about soul, what am I talking about? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So all of those three, my soul rejoices in God. My soul waits for God. My soul thirsts for God. Uh, my soul is downcast. My soul is downcast. Of course, they're talking about your emotions there, right? My soul yearns for the courts of the Lord. My soul is full of trouble. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will sing and make music with all of my soul. My soul finds rest in God alone. Do you believe that your emotions can find rest in God? Amen. Number two, emotion is a part of creation 
that God uses to get our attention. Not only did he create our emotions for us to, a way for us to connect with him, but he also can use our emotions to get our attention. Now, you know, there are many ways that God can get our attention. Emotion is one of them, okay? Emotions can tell us what's going on inside of us, right? Emotions can tell us what's going on inside of us. They serve as signals to our spiritual condition. They can tell us about our struggles. They can help us discover potential questions that we might have about ourselves, maybe some misbeliefs that we have or weaknesses that are actually relative to our faith, and they can be instrumental in our spiritual growth. Let me give you an example. Say you're sitting around or whatever and you're thinking, you know what, I'm really battling with fear right now. I'm just afraid. Well, Two things, you can either just kind of shove that emotion to the side or you can allow God to use that emotion to bring you to where he wants to put his finger on that situation in your life. Amen? So if you say, okay, God, I'm afraid. I'm going to put my finger on that thing and say, okay, where is that coming from? And God, and so God will say, well, well, um, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid to die. And then God will say, well, why are you afraid to die? And God will use your emotions to, to get your attention, to bring you to a deeper place of where he wants you to be so he can pull you out of a, of a, of a maybe a belief, that a wrong belief system that you might have or, or a wrong mindset or something. He'll use that. Amen? We can view our emotions from the perspective of whether they lead us to engagement with God or move us away from dependence on him. We can take advantage of that opportunity of being afraid and saying, God, what are you showing me? Or we can say, no, I'm a, I'm, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to touch that. And so then we're saying, no, God, I'm not going to let you go there. Emotions are like messengers from the front lines of the battle zone. They bring messages to us. And if we listen carefully, we can learn how to fight the spiritual war. Amen? Number three. First of all, recap, Uh, emotions are created by God. God uses our emotions to get our attention. And number three, we all have emotions. We all have a soul, so we all have emotions. Has anyone ever said to you, you're so emotional? Well, join the club. As a matter of fact, those who accuse you of being emotional, they have emotions too. As a matter of fact, Jesus had many different kinds of emotions. Here's some examples. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 41, the Bible says, Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Mark 6.6 says, He was amazed at their lack of faith. Mark chapter 3 in verse 5 says, And when he had looked all around at them with anger... Being grieved, Jesus had anger, and Jesus was grieved. That's what the Bible said. By the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he healed him. John eleven thirty three says, when Lazarus died, the Bible says that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. 
was troubled. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. So even Jesus had emotions. We all have emotions, okay? Number four, number four, expressing positive and negative emotions and feelings is healthy. Let me say that again. Expressing positive and negative emotions is healthy. Now, you may have not, uh, you may not have had much practice expressing your emotions, some of you in here, probably a lot of you in here. Perhaps you grew up in a family who seldom engaged in conversations about your feelings, right? Many people have been taught that they need to stuff, they need to bottle up, they need to suppress or deny their feelings. Can anybody relate to that? Understand what I'm saying? Have, um, have you ever been told as a child, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about? <laughs> Basically, you were told you need to stuff those feelings. You need to suppress those feelings. You need to push those things down. Has anyone ever told you, you got to let it go? You just got to let it go. You can't let it get to you. Or perhaps someone said, get over it. Just get over it. It's, it's because they're tired of it. It's like, I'm not tired of it yet. Or maybe someone has said, man up. And you're like, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. Well, woman up. Let me ask you this. Have you ever told some of these things to your children? Some of you might need to go home tonight and say, I'm sorry. We're going to take a time of repentance right now. We're just going to close our eyes and pray and we'll let you go home because I know you're going to need the rest of the night to, to, um, to ask your children to forgive you. But no, seriously, on a serious note, some Christians have been taught that negative emotions are our enemy, that they are sinful and expressing them is wrong. They believe that you know what? They can they cannot show anger. They can't grieve losses. They can't admit fear. They're taught that Christians are supposed to only be happy, forgiving, optimistic people who always see the bright side of life. You see they take that scripture, think on the things that are lovely and are good and, re- good, and of good report and they take it all the way to this side of the spectrum and don't bring the rest of God's word into balance with it. Amen. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. And so in all of our emotions, we need to have a balance. We need to balance it with the entire word of God. Amen? The Psalms are full of virtually every emotion known to man. Love, joy, delight, wonder, awe, amazement, but also anger and sorrow and despair. If if you take the time to read the Psalms, you might be shocked at what you read. You know, God, I pray that you would kill their children, that you would rip their teeth out of their mouth and make them choke on them, that kind of thing. You know, if you really read the Psalms, the Psalms gets that way. You know, they express their emotions. They they unleash dark feelings oppressing them. They cried out openly in times of deep depression and hopelessness. They cried out. They admitted feelings of doubt, even doubt in God. They admitted disappointments and deepest fears. You know, at times, their feelings of frustration and and rage actually bordered on being disrespectful. 
But you know what? Even still, God still heard their cries and he reached down to, to meet them in the midst of their heartache and their feelings of abandonment. Even still, God met them. Did you know that in the Psalms, that the prayers of lament outnumber the songs of praise? Did you know that? There are more Psalms of lament and frustration than there are Psalms of praise. We, however, are taught otherwise. Don't express your negative feelings and emotion because it's wrong and it's sinful. One preacher said, and I love the way he says this, he said, it's like the church and society today has had a psalmectomy. We've had a psalmectomy. We're not allowed to express those kinds of emotions. We're going to cut those out of our lives. But the idea of suppressing emotions actually cannot be supported by God's word. Jesus certainly did not suppress his feelings. If you've read the Bible lately, he did not deny, kill, or stuff his feelings. In numerous places in the Bible, we, um, we're gonna, you'll find that Jesus responded with deep emotions to events in his life. You know, being silent about our feelings stuffs our emotions down into the depths of our soul. And you know what happens when we do that? You know what happens when we suppress our emotions? It just leads to ongoing tension in our lives. It leads to inner turmoil. It leads to breakdown, emotional breakdown. And for a lot of people, even poor health. Even poor health. Also, if we don't express our emotion, we will eventually respond to them anyway. Only not in the way we want to. They're going to actually bring shame to our life instead of glory to our life, right? And so expressing emotions, positive and negative, are absolutely healthy. Now, okay, I don't want you to, I don't want you to turn me off right now. I don't want you to go click. Don't turn me off. Don't shut me down. Don't think, okay, I've heard enough. I'm justified. I'm going to go home and turn into a monster. Tanya said it's healthy for me to express my negative emotions. So line up because I got a lot. I got a lot of them. It's been a long time. Who wants to go first? Who wants to be first? Any volunteers? Please do not go there. I did not give you a license to release the Kraken. Do y'all know who that is? The Kraken? I mean, whenever who, who's not familiar with the Kraken? Okay. Whenever I was in high school, we had to watch this movie. It's called Clash of the Titans. And in the movie, there was this monster. And this man says, release the Kraken. Well, they just a few years ago made a a new version of it. And so for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, about when you get home, letting go of those emotions to release the Kraken, I I got you a little video just to kind of give you an idea of of what the Kraken is. Okay, so Anna, go ahead and play that for them. Time for the mortals to pay. My child waits to do your will. Leave us. 
Release the Kraken! Now do you understand what I'm talking about? You cannot go home and release the Kraken because I said it's healthy for you to express your emotions, all right? We cannot go home and make the mortals pay. They are not, it's not time for them to pay. It's not time for us to go home and release the Kraken. We can't go home and explode on our family. We can't let out all the junk that's been bottled up for so long. We can't tell them how we feel. Tell them how we feel about them. Uh, tell them off. Tell them where to go. Tell them where not to go. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get the picture? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So that leads us to point number five. Truth number five. There is a right and a wrong way to express feelings and emotions. Okay? It's healthy for us to express them, but there is a right way and a wrong way to express them. Don't sometimes you really feel like you want to just release the Kraken? Like you just want to be like, yeah, okay, so. So again, there's a right and a wrong way. You see, not everybody bottles up their feelings. Some express them in ways that are actually harmful to themselves and others. Some people act on everything without consideration or restraint. They're, they wear their feelings right out front. You know who, you know who I'm talking about? Go ahead and say their name right now. No, I'm just kidding. You know, if they feel it, you will know it. If they are upset, you will know it, right? They don't, they don't just listen to a situation in its entirety. They just react. They react to the first negative part about it, right? They'll use excuses. Well, that's just who I am. I'm just being honest. I'm, I can't help it. I'm honest to a fault. Emphasis on the fault, right? You know, and, and so they'll use that as an excuse, but really what they're just doing is spewing toxins to people around them. Yeah. Now, please, you know, I'm sorry if I'm, I might be stepping on some toes in here tonight, but honestly, I'm step, a few of those toes are mine because I have respond, I have reacted in that way before, you know, but the scripture says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body may be made blameless at the coming of the Lord. And so sometimes we'll have this, like, um, this, um, this, uh, engine light that will come on, you know, the little maintenance light in your car, the engine light will come on in your soul. And I'm not talking about your, your Kia soul. I'm talking about this soul, right? And so we, we need to, you know, we need to pay attention to that light. We need to do some soul maintenance. So, okay. It's okay. You know, again, 
I'm going to be the first to confess that I've been so guilty of this. This year, I've been going through this class, and I just, I'm not even going to get into it, but, but it's been dealing with emotions. And I tell you what, I have had to apologize more since January than in my entire life to my husband and my daughter. Because, because I had for years stuffed emotions and so had the opportunity to let them out and didn't know what to do and didn't know how to do them. And so I was just, the Kraken was out, you know, it was just like slay the Kraken, you know. My motto this year has pretty much, it's my own personal motto, but I've just been having to tell myself so that I can get through this. When you mess up, Tanya, fess up. When you mess up, fess up. And so I've had to do a lot of apologizing this year because of this lack of constraint with my emotions. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Expressing emotions in an unhealthy way leads to pain and disaster. But expressing emotions in a healthy way actually leads to spiritual growth and to a greater wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. And here's the key. Even negative emotions can be expressed in healthy ways. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay, so then I I want you to repeat this with me, okay? There is a right and wrong way to express emotions. Releasing the Kraken is the wrong way. All right. You got it? Is it here? All right. Okay, so that, so with that said, I want to talk to you tonight. I just want to give you some pointers. I'm not going to give you all this information and not tell you some how-tos. But really, the clearest and the most perfect example of how to express emotions properly was shown by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to be crucified, before he got beaten, before he got mistreated, before he, he took on the work of the cross for us. The Garden of Gethsemane was the perfect example because that's where Jesus, his, um, his strongest emotions were, were in that place in Gethsemane. And so I want to read that with you real quick, and then I'm going to give you some real quick tips on how to uh, release and express your most emotions in a healthy way. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Can you imagine having emotions that that heavy where you feel like you're literally going to die? Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. 
So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So here is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his emotions, with the the deepest, worst emotions that he could ever have, and he's expressing them in a way that's healthy. Perfect example for us. Number one, Jesus approached God first with his emotions. Jesus approached God first with his emotions. It, in verse 36, it says he went into the garden and he, t- he had the disciples with him. But he says he went into the garden and he said, you sit here. I'm going to go pray. He knew he had these emotions inside of him and he knew he had to let them out. But he knew he wasn't gonna, he, it wasn't going to do him any good to take him out on these guys. So he said, y'all sit here. I'm going pray. Jesus knew that only his father could give him the direction and peace that he needed in time of distress. Only God. You know, his friends were his support, but his father was his provision. His friends were his support. Because if you read in in that scripture, they, they actually, they were there for him, but there were moments where they fell asleep. They were his support. He knew that, but he knew that ultimately his father was his only provision. Here's the truth. What we do with our emotions shapes the communities in which we live. It shapes our families around us. It shapes the people around us. Our emotional state has a profound impact on others, especially our children. The way we handle our emotions has a profound impact on people around us, right? Who wants to be around someone who's constantly exploding? How many times do we allow our emotions to go ahead of us and take the lead in a situation causing us to react? How often do we attempt to say something before first dealing with our emotions properly? Has anybody ever done that? You're just kind of blah on the cough and you, you don't think about it first. It's just whatever is there comes out. Some examples. When disciplining our children and they do something wrong, do we fly off the handle? Do we discipline them in anger and in the flesh, only wounding them rather than correcting him them? Or maybe a conflict with a friend, and we automatically assume things that aren't necessarily true. What about your spouse? You know, I think too many people um, are too quick to call it quits because they can't control their emotions. Are their spouse's emotions. They want to control their spouse's emotions more than they want to control their own emotions. You know, we got to learn to go to God first with our emotions. Him first. He alone. Again, don't put, don't put your kids in time out. You go get in time out. Yeah? I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. But if you really feel like you're going to hurt them, but you still know you need to discipline them, you just say, I need a time out. And you go to God and you say, God, I want to kill him, but I know it's against the law. So help me deal with this in the way that you would discipline me with love and compassion, but yet still get the point across. 
and then you go back to him. You know, only, only God can give us the direction, the wisdom, and the peace that we need to deal with conflicts. Did you know that you can deal with conflicts with, with peace? You can. Then you can discipline your child, but then you do it in love and not in anger. You can resolve a conflict with a friend with mercy and understanding instead of assumptions and accusations. Or you can restore your marriage in humility and peace and forgiveness instead of pride and strife and blame. You know, I've personally handled all three of these situations with my, with my daughter, with my friends, and with my spouse in both ways. And I can guarantee you every single time when I've reacted instantly and done it in the flesh, it was a failure. But whenever I did it, when I go just take a time out with God for a minute and come back, it was a success. Amen? Number two, Jesus had close friends that he could trust to share his feelings with. In verse 37 and 38, it says he took Peter, James, and John with him and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Did you know that even Jesus needed his friends to support him, to pray with him, to encourage him? He didn't have his whole group of disciples with him. He had his closest friends, the ones that he could trust to support him, that would understand him, that would not judge him. Well, you're the Messiah. Why are you feeling that way? They didn't judge him. And most importantly, pray with him as he went through the darkest times of his distress. He knew that he could count on these friends to be supportive and trustworthy with his emotions that they wouldn't slander or gossip about him, other words. See, you and I, we need close friends to help support us prayerfully in times of emotion, emotional distress. We need a safe community of friends, friends who won't judge us or won't judge others that we may be feeling kind of, you know, having some negative feelings towards, that they're not going to go back and look at that person and be like, I know something about you. but they're going to be able to love that person still. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes we we pick certain friends because we know that they're like that. And so we go and share with them our, our pain because we know that they're going to defend us. But that's not the kind of friends I'm talking about. I'm talking about the friends that you can count on that's going to love you and love them and not be judgmental. Amen. That's going to speak life into your life. That's going to help you walk through that situation with that other person. And you're going to come out in a better relationship that they're going to help you restore that relationship with that other person. That's the kind of friends you need, right? We don't need any defense. We don't need a defense attorney. We don't need a defense attorney. And again, there may be only one or two people that you can actually trust to that capacity, but that's all you need. You know, having all of your friends involved, you know what? That can just sometimes lead to a bashing party for those, for people who may have hurt you, you know? So we don't want that. We don't want to have a bashing party. 
We just, we need a couple of friends that we can, that we know that we can entrust, entrust our lives to. James 5.16 says, admit your faults to one another and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. So if you have friends in your life that when you tell them your faults, but they don't help you be healed, they help you to be more bitter because they're like, girl, I understand what you're saying. That person is blah, blah, blah. That's not going to help you be healed. Right? Okay. Number three, Jesus acknowledged his emotions. Jesus acknowledged his emotions. In verse 38, he said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Again, Jesus didn't deny, kill, or stuff his feelings. It says, facing betrayal and death, he acknowledged that he was distressed over the situation. He was distressed over what was about to happen to him. You know, he even acknowledged his apprehension. Even Jesus even acknowledged, I don't know if I can do this, Lord. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I think that that was probably Jesus' worst issue, emotional issue, was that he was battling with his, his will. Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But you know what? Acknowledging even the negative feelings helps us to be real. Sometimes re- the religion in us won't allow us to acknowledge negative emotions. It's the religion in us. It's the holy woman in us that I want to be holy so I can't acknowledge those negative feelings. The Lord is good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And you know what? I am not knocking that statement because God is good all the time. But sometimes we're not good all the time. And all the time, we're not good. And so don't use that phrase to cover up what's really going on deep down inside. Amen? Amen. So acknowledging even your negative feelings, it helps us to be real. It helps us to be genuine and transparent and authentic and humble. It acknowledges that we need God's help. And it sets us up for releasing them to him. We can't release our emotions to God unless we first acknowledge them. Amen. And number four. Jesus vented his emotions upward, upward. In verse 39 and 42 and 44, it says he went away from his disciples and he fell on his face and he cried to God. He cried to God. He vented them upward. He didn't just acknowledge them. God, I'm feeling this way. He expressed them in the right context, in the presence of God. You know, we can't just go around to everyone we see and acknowledge what we're feeling. You know, I'm so mad at her right now. I'm so mad at them right now. That's not, we got to vent those negative emotions. Oh, I love her right now. That's fine. But those negative ones, you got to go upward with them. Amen. You got to go upward with them. Jesus opened up before his father. He poured out his deepest, most disturbing feelings. He wept. In distress, he expressed his ha- apprehension so much so that the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 that his, when he prayed, he was in anguish and his, his sweat was like drops of blood, literally drops of blood. 
That's how in anguish he was. But here's the cool thing. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 33, as Jesus vented upwards, the Bible says that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And so this is the key. When we have negative emotions and we express them appropriately in the right context and we go to God and we vent them upward, the negative, the positive come downward. Amen? Negative upward, positive downward. Again, in the Psalms, abandonment, compulsive thoughts, depression, anger, hopelessness, bitterness, doubt, and even hate were taking a toll on the psalmist. But instead of hiding, they cried out to the only one who could help them find freedom and deliverance. And ladies, we got to do the same. You want to be healthy? That's how you express your emotions. Like the psalmist did. We need to be honest with the Lord about our feelings. Did you know he can take it? He created them. He can take it. He can take our anger. He's a big God. He's a strong man. He's a grown up. He can take it. He's mature. He can take it. You know what? He knows. He already knows what's in our heart anyway. And he knows why it's there. Even worse. So you know what? You can go to God. It's okay to go to God and say, God, I know I'm supposed to love my enemies, but honestly, I just really don't care very much for them right now. As a matter of fact, I would just love to feed them to the Kraken right now. You know, it's okay. God's not going to say, you're going to hell because you said that about your enemies. He already knows it's there. What's happening is you're actually releasing that thing so he can, re- he can exchange it. He can put some good things there in place, right? Because if you continue to read in the Psalms, you'll see how the psalmist just expresses those negative emotions. And towards the end, they start saying, but God, you are faithful. You are good. You, you take care of me. You restore my soul. You bring me joy and peace in the midst of my enemies. And so that's, it's a healthy cycle. It's not a vicious cycle. It's a healthy cycle. The, the Bible says um, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Again, when you vent upward, see, it'll keep you from exploding outward. And it'll help you to release the negative emotions in a safe place. So we can trust God with our feelings. Opening up to God helps us to release that emotional storm in our life. Is anybody going through an emotional storm right now? First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says um, in the Living Bible, I love the Living Bible version. It says, let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. So you can take it all to him. And then what happens is he can just pour his presence, his peace, and his strength, just like he did for Jesus, he will do for you. In God's presence, expressing emotions is not only permissible, it is a biblically correct response to life. It's not only okay and permissible, it's a biblically correct response. So if you want to follow the Bible, let your emotions go upward. The Bible says it, call to me and I will come to you. I will answer, cry out to me and I will save you, God says. 
Come to me and I will give you life, God says. So why do we not go there? All the provisions are there. And finally, number five, Jesus surrendered his will. In verse 39 and 42, he said, he, um, it says, he asked the father to take the cup from him, but then he said, but not my will, God, your, your will be done. Not what I want, what you want. You see, after expressing his emotions, he let them go. He surrendered them to God. He aligned his will with the father's will. And in verse 46, he said, now, he told the disciples, rise, let us go. You see, he didn't stay in the garden and sulk and feel sorry for himself. See, we want to do that. We want to go into the garden so we can emote, but we don't want to leave the garden. We would just want to stay there and have a pity party as long as possible. But Jesus didn't do that. Why? He didn't allow his feelings and emotions to keep him from doing the Father's will because he knew God had work for him to do. Now, when Jesus left the garden, what he endured wasn't easy. It didn't make it any easier for him. It was still difficult. But what he had then was the grace and the power of his father to accomplish the work. Why? Because he went into the garden and he emptied out all of himself. And in return, God filled him with with what was needed. You know, we got to do the same. We need to acknowledge our emotions. Then we need to express our emotions. And then we need to let go of them. We can't stay in the garden of self-pity because God's got some work for us to do. And sometimes, you know, life hands us a difficult situation. It doesn't make the situation any easier. But you know what? You got the grace and the strength to be able to walk through it. The Bible says, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. But you got to go to Gethsemane first. And you got to get what you need first. Amen? Um, the Lord just this morning gave me this like little simple illustration, but thanks, Michelle. But just, you know, to recap. This is our emotions right here. We all have emotions. And the healthy way to express our emotions is, first of all, we have to acknowledge them, right? They're there. They're right here. We have to acknowledge them. But then we have to vent them upward, right? Now, here's the, here's the trick here. Most of us, we will vent these things, the, the emotions upward, but we don't want to let them go. We want to stay in the garden, because it's okay to vent them upward, but I need to hang on to the string of the emotions because I might need them later. Because I might run into that person that I'm having unforgiveness towards. And so, um, I, I might need to, uh, I might need to, yeah. But God's saying vent them upward. Yeah. And then Jesus says, once you vent them upward, You got to let them go. Amen? Now, you don't have to worry about this thing. It's going to be back on the ground before Sunday. And if any of you need to use this illustration to practice, I have an extra balloon in case that one popped. Or I accidentally let it go. But honestly, think about this. 
It's so important that you take into consideration those things. Because a lot of times, like I said earlier, people say, just let them go, let them go, let them go. You just got to let it go. But think about a child. Think about your child. When you handed your child a balloon and as soon as they grabbed it, they let it go. Did it make them feel better? No, it made them feel worse. And so you had to go buy them another balloon, right? It's the same with our emotions. If we just let it go and don't deal with what God is God is trying to get our attention with, it's just going to make it worse. So we got to acknowledge that they're there and we got to vent them upward, which is the right thing to do. But then we got to eventually let them go and trust that as we let go of those negative emotions, that's God's going to fill us with, with, with the good stuff, right? God is interested in our emotions. It's not only okay, it's necessary for us to go to a Gethsemane to release our emotions. And God has given us a healthy, anointed, and safe place to express them so that we can be healthy and mature Christians. Do you want to be a healthy and mature Christians? Yeah, I do too. And so we've, we, we've got to, we've all got to go into a Gethsemane. And the Gethsemane is in his presence. That's the Gethsemane. Now, I want to take a chance to say that most of us in our lifetimes have not appropriately expressed our emotions. Guilty parties, raise your hand. Okay, thank you. I'm not alone. Most of us have not appropriately expressed our emotions. Some of us do a pretty good job, but most of us have not. You may be the person who has suppressed your emotions for most of your life. You have been taught to pass up Gethsemane. You don't stop in Gethsemane. You've been taught to pass it up. You stuff your feelings and your emotions because you were told that it's unhealthy and it's wrong to express negative emotions. And so you suffer in silence, slowly deteriorating emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. Do you know you weren't created to carry such a heavy load? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. Now you may be the kraken. You go into Gethsemane, but it's the wrong Gethsemane. It's the garden of the flesh. It's a garden of self-pity and explosion and reaction and destruction. And all that grows there are thorns and thistles. You need to leave that garden as quickly as possible and get into the right garden. Finally, you may be someone who feels like you're in the, Gets- the Garden of Gethsemane, but you're alone in Gethsemane. You may feel like, I don't really have support that I need. And um, you may feel like I'm alone because Jesus is not there. I don't, I don't know Jesus. And so you may need to 
Invite Jesus into your Gethsemane tonight. And so we're going to close in prayer and we're going to have a little bit of time. We're going to take a little time to just give you an opportunity to go into a Gethsemane tonight, your Gethsemane, and just experience the presence of the Lord. Can I get some music, Maria? Could you stand with me, please? And I just want you to close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. And the first thing I want you to think about is maybe an emotion that you've been battling right now. An emotion that in your mind has been a battle. But it's not supposed to be a battle. It's supposed to be a an, an opportunity for God to pull you closer to him. You may be you may have you may be in a time of a good time in your life right now. And so you need to rejoice in your Gethsemane. And so I want to encourage you to take the time tonight to do that to just thank God for for the blessings in your life, the joy in your life, for the health in your life. Just begin to thank him. But there some of you maybe be going through a negative emotion, maybe some anger, some bitterness, some doubt, some fear, whatever it is, some hesitation. And you're dealing with that emotion. And I want to encourage you. Some for some of you, you feel like you're just about to explode because you're just full of emotions. But I want to encourage you to just take one at a time. Just take one at a time. One day at a time. Okay? One emotion at a time. But I want you to think about that right now. What is that emotion that you're dealing with right now? Good or bad? There's a circumstance or situation in your life. And attached to that is an emotion. And it's driving you. But it's not supposed to drive you. It's only supposed to speak to you and tell you what's really going on inside we need we need a we need to use our emotions to our benefit not allow our emotions to take control over us so whatever that situation is whatever that emotion is i want you to think about that Now, I want to ask you, are you that person that's in Gethsemane? I want you to envision, uh, picture yourself in your Gethsemane right now. Visualize yourself in your Gethsemane right now, like Jesus was in the garden. What does your Gethsemane look like? Are there plants? Is it a garden? Are there flowers? Is it a place of thorns and thistles? What kind of garden? What does it look like right now? Are you alone in that garden? Are you by yourself in that garden? Now I want you to think about it. And you, If you say, Tanya, you know what? I have been fighting an emotional battle for so long that I can't even remember how long it's been since I've actually felt any joy in my life. And I'm struggling in this Gethsemane 
And it's because Jesus is not in it. But I need Jesus in it. I need his help. And I'm I'm ready to get out of this Gethsemane, but I need him in it first to help me get through it. And if that's you tonight, I want to just invite you to come to the altar. If you just say, Tanya, I just need Jesus in my Gethsemane. I've been doing it all by myself. I need him in I need him in my life. I need him in my emotions. I need him to help me. I want to just encourage you to come come right here and meet me. And you're not going to be alone. We're going to have some other opportunities for some other ladies too. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's he's in your Gethsemane right now. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for he's waiting to come into your Gethsemane. Just come right now. It, it's time. It's time for you to not be alone in your Gethsemane anymore. Is there anybody else? Quickly come to the front. If you're afraid to come and you have a friend that you came with, have them come with you. That's what I'm talking about, about support. The support of a friend. If you bought a, brought a friend and you know they need to come down here and they want to come but they're scared to, you come with them. You show them support. Unconditional love. That's what they need. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to just, again, visualize yourself in your garden. Now I want you to invite Jesus into your garden. Say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own anymore. I can't fight this battle anymore. I can't do it in the flesh anymore. I need you to help me. Please come into my life. Come to my heart. Come into my garden. I give you this pain in my heart. I give you this hurt. I give you this loneliness. I give you this anger, God. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to just visualize Jesus coming into that garden with you. Coming into your heart. And he is now the garden keeper. He's the keeper of your garden. He's going to maintain your flowers. He's going to maintain your grass. He's going to keep it watered. And so I want you to know that whenever you're feeling alone or afraid or angry, that because you've invited Jesus into your garden now, that anytime you go into that garden, he's going to be there to give you whatever you need. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you just need rest and peace, He's got it there. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to ask you, some of you, if you've just been that person who has been taught or 
whatever, however it's happened, you pass up your garden. You pass up Gethsemane. You need to, you need to make a pit stop. I want to invite you to just come to the altar right now. And I want you to just come and make this the altar your Gethsemane. Just come wherever you want, wherever you can get on your knees, you can stand up. I just want you to find a place. You need to start doing that. You need to start this as a regular practice in your life. Not coming to the altar at church, but going to your garden, in, in, your, in your closet, in your home. You need to take an opportunity to do that. And so I want to encourage you to just, just come up right now. We're going to give you some time. You've been suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. It's even taken a toll on your health. For some of you, it's even taken a toll on your health. It's, that's not good, ladies. That's not good to be sick. Believe me, I know, I know how that is. I know what it is to be so suppressed that you become physically ill. It's not a good thing. I want you to just right now, whatever that emotion is, whatever that hurt is, whatever that, that feeling is, I want you right now just begin to acknowledge it. Say, God, I, I feel this way. It's, if you feel angry or resent, resentful, say, God, I'm resenting this right now. Just, just tell it to God right now. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to mouth it. Speak it. Acknowledge it. Don't be afraid to, that it's going to make you a, a bad person or people look down at you. Vent it to God. Vent it to God. Tell God, God, I'm so angry. God, I'm so angry. I'm so angry, God. I need your help, God. I'm so angry. Just tell him. He's not going to be upset with you. He's not going to deny you. He's not going to turn away. Just tell him, God, I'm so angry. Help me, God. Help me. Help me, God. I'm so hurt, God. I'm so hurt. This person hurt me so deep, God. So deep. I know I'm supposed to love them, God, but I'm having a hard time. They hurt me, God. After everything I've done for them, and they hurt me. Tell God. Tell God. It's okay. Now I want you to just release that to God. Release it to God. Release it to Him. God, I give you this anger. Give you this unforgiveness. I give you this resentment, God. I give you this doubt, the doubt that I have in you, God. I doubted you, God. I've doubted you. I have had no faith in you, God. I give you my doubt, God. 
I give it to you, God. Let him fill you. Let him fill you back up. Can I get some altar workers, some of our Sunday morning altar workers, just to come and pray with these ladies? If if you came with a friend and, and your friend feels comfortable praying for you, let your friend pray for you. But if I can get some ladies. Thank you, Michelle. Ladies, listen, I know what it's like to feel like you've had anger pent up for years. For years. Some of you have had anger pent up inside of you for years. And you've confessed with your mouth, but you have not believed in your heart. You need to let that go. It's tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Tonight is your chance. There's a garden at this altar waiting for you. For you to do that. Don't leave here still suppressed. Now I want to speak to the ladies in here that feel like they've been in the wrong Gethsemane. They've lived in thorns and thistles. And they're just like, I cannot take another straw. It will break the camel's back. And you've just lashed out and lashed out and you've sliced people. You've sliced people, the people that you love the most. You've hurt the most because you've been in the the garden of the flesh. Because you've been venting outward instead of upward. And some of you right now just need to take a moment and just ask God to forgive you. He will forgive you. He'll forgive you. Just say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me for lashing out. Forgive me for taking out my emotions on the people around me, God. Forgive me, God. Ask him to forgive you. And just ask him, God, help me. Help me to get out of this Gethsemane. I'm going to leave this Gethsemane. I need to find you. I need to find the one that you're in, God. Just repent right now. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so God's got a way of getting us, taking us out of that miry pit and putting us where we need to be. Amen. That's called grace. It's called mercy. Amen. So it's okay. You, you don't need to leave here feeling battered and bruised and feeling like you're going to hell. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. So guess what? You can start over again. Tonight can be a new night for you. And so you just confess that and give that to the Lord. And you ask him to help you with his grace. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to give the ladies up here just a few more minutes. So if you just stay tight. And we'll close in prayer in just a few minutes and then and then we'll do the door prizes. But I just want to some of these ladies have been holding on to some emotions for a very long time and they just they just need they just need your prayer support right now, okay? Let's just be friends to them right now. I just want everybody to close their eyes real quick for me. Just close your eyes right now. 
thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you, Father, that you're just so loving, so gentle in, in spirit with us. We thank you that you're so gentle, you're so compassionate, and you're so patient, God. We thank you, Father, that you have sent your Son, Jesus, to make a way for us to be able to come boldly into your throne room, God, and just to be real, God, that we don't have to come in royal robes. We don't have to come with a crown on our head. But Father, we can come with ashes. We can come with sackcloth, God. And God, you give us beauty for our ashes. So, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you for being our safe place. We thank you for loving us, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to take a deep breath right now and just let it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Y'all feel a little bit better? So just to recap. Let's talk about this for a minute because I really want to make sure that you got this, yeah? So what's a healthy way to express our emotions? Who do we go to first? Go to God first. Who else do we need in our lives? We need some close friends. Amen? What else do we need to do with those negative emotions? First, we need to acknowledge them then where do they need to go up and then what do we need to do let them go amen the bible says and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in christ jesus amen amen